occasions. And um, I could say today that, you know, throughout the years, 37 years of ministry, that you meet a lot of people and some people um, connect themselves to you to get what they can get from you and then they're gone. Other people will connect to you uh, and help you and then they're gone. And then there's other people that connect and you're there for life. And, um, and I can say that Pastor Randall is, is one of those people that he doesn't just uh, pop in and pop out, but uh, on a regular basis. Uh, even, you know, sometimes it's, have you ever had a one-way relationship where you don't hear from nobody unless you talk to it or initiate it? That's not the way this is. Pastor Randall, if he don't hear from me in a day or two or a minute, he'll text me and say, I'm praying for you or some encouraging word. And, and I, I'm so glad that he's here in the house with us today. I think it's been a couple of years since he's been to One Life, but I'm so glad he's back today. Would you welcome him today as he comes this morning? Bless you, my friend. I love you, buddy. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. Yeah, God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. Would you look at your neighbor and tell them God is good. Come on, look at your other neighbor if you, if you have one and say God is great. Amen. I'm one of them southern preachers. If I'm going to preach, you're going to preach. You're going to slap your neighbor, pinch your neighbor. You're going to sweat. I'm going to sweat. But we're going to have church. Amen. Hallelujah. We're, we're going to get into the Word of God and uh, bring you greetings from the Shenandoah Valley. And uh, my beautiful wife is at our church. She's our worship leader. And today she's wearing all the hats. So uh, I'm staying out of her hair till two or three hours after service. Amen. Because uh, you know how that is. The weight of running a service is heavier than most people realize. And so we honor her. want to honor uh, Bishop Matthews and Renee. They've been wonderful friends. Not not only have they been friends through the high points in my life, they've been friends through the low points in my life. They've been friends through the blah points in my life. They've been friends through the it's okay point in my life. But one thing that's the common denominator is they've always been a friend. And so would you honor your pastors today and want to honor this house and... We're going to get into the Word of God. It's an honor to be here. It's been just a, a while since we've uh, been here. We've been busy in ministry there, and you guys have been busy in ministry here. And we're getting ready for a crusade in the Dominican Republic and uh, uh, starting on Father's Day. And uh, we're, we build churches all, all around South and Central America and the Caribbean. I think we've built... 22 or 23 uh, churches and schools and one of them was devastated by these little earthquakes they have there in the mountains of Guayabal and we've been rebuilding the church for two years and for a year and a half they met outside in the heat under a tree and we got them in the building last year and this year we're going to finish it and, and not just make it a building but make it a house of God can you say amen and so keep, keep us in prayer that we have a few books there uh, a few of our many books there's a book, Faith, my favorite one, The Victorious Life. If you're struggling with demon power, how demons work, um, a, a mini book with, from me and Pastor Heath Hyatt. I studied under Dr. Lester Sumrall for a number of years, and he was strong in demonology. There's one on favor, one on healing, and they're only $5 or 3 for 10 and we only have a handful. I only grabbed a few out of our box that shipped up to go on the mission field. So if you uh, want, want that, and if you don't have any money, you just come talk to 
at me, and, and, and come on, somebody. People have blessed me. I'll bless you. you know, I ain't got $5 on me. Man, don't, don't stress about that. We'll be glad. It's the Word of God. You can't buy it. Come on, somebody. Uh, uh, it goes to missions and help, but you might be the mission it needs to go to. Amen. Let's get our Bibles out or your iPad or your phone or your Galaxy or your Nook or maybe you don't have a Bible. Maybe there's one in the pew and we still have those red Bibles in the pew because they're good for waking folks up that fall asleep. I tell them, take that hard Bible and jab them in the ribs and they'll never fall asleep again. Amen. Let's hold, hold the Bible up or your phone, whatever you got the Bible on. And everybody say this, this is my Bible. This is the living Word of God. This is His will and my inheritance. I am what it says I am. Today I will hear the word. I'll receive the word by faith with joy. And I'll never be the same again. Come on, today is my day. Today is my day. I'm leaving brand new. Now give the Lord a shout of praise. Amen. I want you to open your Bibles to 2 Samuel in the 6th chapter. We're going to begin in the Old Covenant and end up in the New Covenant. And I want to speak to you a thought that God put in my heart two weeks ago entitled Unlocked. There are some things that the Lord has been unlocking in me. And I believe there will be some things that get unlocked in you. But there have been a lot of people in my life that I've met on my journey that have gone from free to bound they've gone from unlocked to locked up and I don't know about you but have you ever been locked up maybe you've been locked up for real come on somebody you've been behind a prison bar you've been shackled you've been cuffed by a deputy sheriff or maybe you've been cuffed by cancer or or you've been behind the bars of depression or anxiety or debt or divorce or circumstance and, and you know that freedom is there but you are locked up you can and come and go but even when you come and go you're bound and locked up. I lived several years of my life that way that even though God had set me free I was like the book of Galatians. I had bound myself up and I had locked myself up. You see the enemy doesn't have the authority to keep me locked up and God isn't going to lock me down. Come on somebody. But because of my shame, because of depression or worry or fear or struggle I had allowed myself to handcuff myself and lock myself up but I'm free and I'm free indeed and I have been unlocked come on somebody shout unlocked and maybe you're here today and you've allowed circumstance to lock you down. You can't live in an event. Don't live in past tragedy. Don't live out of your hurt and don't live out of your pain. It'll lock you up. It'll lock you down. And, and, and you'll go into jail and then you'll put yourself in isolation and solitary confinement. I want you to know that God has come to set you free, not to lock you up. Somebody shout amen. And so the Lord has given me three thoughts today that I will bring to you. There are many things that I am unlocking in this year where God is setting me free, where God is reestablishing, where God is rebuilding. There are many things that God is unlocking, but it started with three. And I want to share them with you because I believe if they change me, they have the power to change you. 
2 Samuel chapter 6, we read a story about David finding the presence of God again. And I had gone a while where I had not actively pursued the presence of God. I knew about the presence of God. I was preaching sermons and I was conducting revivals and I was rebuilding and I was building my church. But it seemed like I had neglected the presence of God. I was so people focused and so ministry focused that I had forgot to be presence focused. You see, the church has become good at filling the house with people and very poor at filling the house with His presence. And I need to fill my heart with His presence and then that will spill over and begin to fill my house with His presence and begin to fill our church with His presence. And so the Lord began to speak to me about unlocking my praise. You see, I've lost my voice on many nights preaching, but I had never really lost my voice praising. And the Lord said, you're preaching for the people, but you're praising for me. So you're giving the people more of your effort than you're giving me more of your effort. And so I determined that I am going to begin to lose my voice. I'm going to begin to maybe sweat more during my praise. Come on, somebody say amen. And at my church, I don't have good pitch. I'm out of tune and out of tone and I can't sing real good and it's a smaller sanctuary and I'm right close to my wife and there are many times she looks at me and she has to put her finger over her ear because I get praising so loud I throw the worship team into another world and then when I come up behind them in the last song they've asked me please don't sing right there come on somebody because I am flat and I'm out of pitch and whatever else goes into music but I'm praising God the Lord spoke to me that I need to give him more of my time and more of my effort don't just focus giving all my time and effort to the people but begin to unlock my praise and to give God more of me can somebody say amen And so David and Jerusalem and Israel had gone without the presence of God. And so uh, up in the beginning of the chapter, and if the media people don't have all my scriptures, it's not their fault, it's my fault. I am scatterbrained. I've got spiritual deficit disorder, not ADD, but SDD. Come on, somebody. I bounce all around. So up at the beginning of the chapter, David took 30,000 men to go find the presence of God. Come on, you're blessed if you got one prayer warrior. Come on, somebody. We have a good attendance this morning, and we're blessed. But David rounded up 30,000 of his men, folk. Come on, somebody. And they went out to Baal Judah to bring back the ark of God, to bring back the presence, the person of God, to the place where it needed to be. But then Uzzah reached out and inappropriately touched the presence of God, and Uzzah died, and David got mad, and he left the the ark will see in a moment in a man's house called Obed-Edom. And if you go to verse 6 of 2 Samuel chapter 6, we'll begin here. And when they came to Nathan's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand on the ark and he took hold of it and the oxen stumbled and then the anger of the Lord, and I'm not going to get into this theology here, it wasn't some kind of mean lightning bolt anger, it was an out of order, out of place situation and God had to reestablish his person in Israel so they would handle his presence correctly against Uzzah and struck him there for his error and 
And there he died by the ark or the presence of God. And David became angry. And he left the ark there in Prezuza. And we go to verse 11. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. There's a great theology of the number three in the Bible. When Jesus went to the garden, he took three disciples into the deepest place and he prayed on three occasions in the garden. There's Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Praise, worship, and thanksgiving. The outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies. And we are a spirit, we are a soul, and we're a body. And you measure time and past, present, and future. And you measure distance and longitude, latitude, and altitude. When God does significant things, you'll always find the number number three somewhere in the mathematical equation and the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months touch your neighbor and say three months and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his household and I began to read this and I began to try to work for the blessing and thought if I preached hard enough I would get the blessing if I could book another meeting or build another church I, I would get the blessing but it had nothing to do with any of those things the blessing that, that is on my life or my family's life has everything to do with housing the presence of God within my heart and housing the presence of God within my home and housing the presence of God within my church church and it doesn't matter who comes and who goes and who grows old and passes on or who who gets mad and who gets upset it has everything to do with housing the presence of God and where the presence of God is there he will command his blessing and everybody in that house will be blessed so I started worrying less about people and more about presence and as I began to turn my focus to the presence of God blessing began to just manifest seemingly out of nowhere would you touch your neighbor and say we're going to unlock our praise the ark remained there and David came in verse 12 now it was told King David saying the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him everybody shout I'm blessed and all that belongs to me is blessed because of the ark or the presence of God So David went and brought the ark up from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David and he did it with gladness and so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, six number of man, seven number of God and after the sixth step they would stop and they made a sacrifice of oxen and fatted sheep and then David danced before the Lord with all his might and David was wearing a linen ephod. In others' words, they would take six steps as they carried the ark and as they got to the sixth step at the step of God they would stop and they would have a praise party they would stop and have an offering party and then they would go again and then they would stop and praise again and David was a king David was a known man David was a mighty man and he was down to his ephod that is the undergarment that he had on his underwear and he began to praise God with such a mighty praise that he didn't care that he was king he didn't care that people might look at him wrongly or say why has he got such a crazy praise he just magnified the Lord because he wanted the blessing of the Lord he wanted the presence of the Lord he didn't care about the applause of people and the eyes of people he wanted the eyes of the Lord the eyes of the Lord are on the faithful of the Lamb and he will show himself strong on their behalf and David got his praise back would you touch your neighbor and say we're going to unlock our praise 
Verse 15, is this all right this morning? We get to verse 15 and David and all the house of Israel brought the ark of the Lord up with shouting and the sound of the trumpet. When worship begins to happen, it's fine to have people shouting. It should be where people are whistling and clapping and dancing and magnifying the Lord because it's those people that might be on the edge of death and life or heaven and hell and they want to house the presence of God because the presence of God is keeping them alive. The presence of God is keeping them blessed. The presence of God is keeping them breathing. And so I said, David and the house of the Lord and those 30,000 men, they magnified God loudly. And David danced before the Lord in front of everybody to the point that his shirt came off and his robe came off and his crown came off. And he continually magnified the Lord because he was tired of living without the presence of God. You see, the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. He doesn't inhabit the needs of his people. He doesn't inhabit the complaining of his people. He doesn't inhabit the worry of his people. But God inhabits the praise. And so if you want God's presence, the Lord began to tell me, Randall, you need to get your praise back. You need to get your shout back. You need to magnify me and enlarge me. And don't worry about who says they'll be your friend and won't be your friend. Who has your preaching? doesn't have you preach you just magnify me and my presence will inhabit your praise the Lord told me unlock my praise so I started unlocking my praise can somebody say amen but then David got to the city and the story turns because not everybody's going to be happy about your praise there might be some people in your family in your church that turn their back on you because you get just a little too crazy Clint Brown wrote a song, Crazy Praise, a praise that don't make no sense. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a crazy praise. Come on, a praise that will make your neighbor in church wonder, are they saved? A praise that will make your neighbor look, my God, what's wrong with me? I'm serving the same Lord and I can't even get a shout out of my mouth. I can't even get an arm lifted toward his direction. A praise that will stir something up and a praise that might cast something out. So they brought the ark of the Lord and they set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David David had erected. Verse 17, then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. Verse 20 and 18 and 19, David gave every member and every citizen bread and meat. He blessed them all. The presence of the Lord is there. Where the presence of the Lord is, the ability to bless is. And he returned to his house to now bless his house. David returned to bless his house. And Michael, the daughter of Saul. Michael had a little bit, she had a little bit of her father in her. You see, her father was a people pleaser, and so was his daughter. When Saul sinned and Samuel came before him, Saul said, I pray thee, bring me before the people one more time, that the people might exalt me before I'm dethroned. When David sinned, whose sin was greater than Saul's, David said, you can have all of this, but take not your presence from my heart. 
Come on, somebody. Saul's sin was not as great as David, and he didn't have as many multiplied sins as David. But David said, you can have my crown, and you can have my throne, and you can have my city, and you can have my kingdom. But don't leave me, God. Don't vacate me, Lord. Don't lock me up. And the Lord said, that is a man after my own heart. And so Saul's daughter, Michael, had the same spirit of wanting people to like them and people's eyes to be upon them. And so she said to David, what are you doing that all the maidservants and all the citizens have seen you in your underwear and they've seen you acting ordinary. They've seen you acting outside the realm of a king. And I want you to know, David looked at his wife. Come on, somebody. I don't know if I'd have the guts to do it. Come on. And he rebuked his wife. Come on, somebody. I know if I did it, it'd be in a text message from another state. Come on now. And David rebuked her. It's not about what people think. It's about what God thinks is what he was saying. It's not about the praises of people, but it's about the presence of the Lord. And from that day forward, Michael was barren and she was cut off and her body began to die because she dared curse somebody that was giving God a crazy praise. She dared judge somebody that was willing to house the presence of God and not the applauses of people. Come on, somebody. And so I've turned my focus to praising God. I'll drive down the road and I'll praise God. I was praising him in the hotel last night. I praise him at work. I praise him at the altar. I praise him at church. At home we got worship music. Alexa, play Spirit FM. Alexa, play my worship playlist. And when I come home, there's worship music going. When my wife gets up from the bathroom, I hear every morning if she rises before me, worship music coming out as she gets ready because we've decided to house the presence of God because if nothing else, the presence of God We'll put the blessing of God in your house. We need to unlock, unlock our praise. Can everybody say, unlock my praise? Come on, unlock my praise. Unlock your praise, meaning tomorrow you got to praise. Next Sunday you got to praise. Wednesday night, small group or service, whatever you have, you've got to pray. When you get to work tomorrow, you've got a little giddy up in your step. A praise on the way to work. You'll spend that 20 minutes giving confession and magnifying the Lord. Don't be locked up, be unlocked. The second thing, go to Hebrews 10. Glory be to God. I'm having fun this morning. I love preaching in my church, but every now and then it's good to see new faces. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. The next thing the Lord said to me after he unlocked my praise, I've always been a, a man of faith, a man of confession, but I'd lost my word. See, the enemy will try to take your voice. He's after your life, but if he can shut you up, he's already got your life. Come on, somebody. And I've never been a negative or critical or judgmental type person, but I found myself without a positive confession. I found myself not praising like I should, and God began to change that. And then I found myself not lining up with the Word in the words of my mouth and speaking life over my health and life over my family and life over my church and life over my finances. Instead, I would speak worry and doubt and concern, and I would speak negativity, not in a, in a, in a meanful, hurtful way, but I just noticed, and then my wife kind of called me on the carpet about it, that, you know, what, what in the world? I, I, don't, I don't even like this. You've always been positive. 
positive and encouraging. And the Lord began to speak to me, Randall, you need to unlock your confession. You see, we'll get in line with the doctors too many times. Nothing wrong with doctors. They've kept a lot of people alive. But somebody will tell you you got something and you'll line your confession up with what they said over what God says. You got credit karma and all that on your phone and your credit score will say 650 and then you'll get in your mind, oh I'm broken, oh I'm poor and oh my credit score and you'll get in line with that instead of saying, oh I might have made some bad decisions and oh I might have been through some stuff in my past but I'm speaking life into my future, I'm speaking life into my finances and credit score you're changing because I'm changing my habits, I'm changing my ways, I'm changing my spending, I'm not going to let that credit score determine who I am in my mentality of myself. I'm going to speak life and not death. I'm going to speak abundance and not need. In the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. It's a terrible thing sweating with glasses on. Y'all know that? Look at this. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. Verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by in a new and a living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. His flesh was torn and the veil was torn and his flesh represented the veil and it was torn. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith having in our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed pure with the water, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Oh, my God. See, my confession isn't about my circumstances. Because faith calls those things that be not as though they are. It doesn't call those things that are as though they are not. Come on. Faith isn't in denial, but faith will overcome it. Can somebody say amen? And so my faith isn't based on my circumstances. I've got to hold fast to the confession of my faith no matter what I'm dealing with, no matter what I'm going through, because he that has put it in me is faithful to bring it to pass. So my confession isn't lining up with me and my circumstances. Circumstances, my confession is lining up with him and his faithfulness. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for the Lord is with me. So if I'm battling depression, I'm not making a confession based on my depression. I'm making a, a confession based on my joy and my deliverance because he himself is faithful. Come on, somebody say amen. Mm. And I began to unlock my confession. I unlocked my praise. And, and I began to just praise God like I used to and even bigger than I used to and magnify the Lord. And then I began to unlock my confession. And as I'm driving down the road and I put things on my mirror in my bathroom and I put them three at a time that I'm confessing and I'm targeting and I want change in my life there. And I'll confess them in the morning when I get ready. And I'll confess them at night when I go to bed. Then in my car when I'm driving from here to there on many occasions 
Ephesians, I'll just begin to prophesy over Randall. I'll begin to prophesy over my family. I'll begin to change my confession. I'll begin to speak life and not death, blessing and not need. Come on, somebody. Healing and not sickness. I'll begin to line my confession up with him. Because if I lined it up with me, it'd be crazy. Come on, somebody say amen. Touch your neighbor and say, unlock our praise. And everybody say, unlock my confession. Go with me if you will to 1 John chapter 5. Just go to your right from Hebrews a few pages. So we unlock our praise. And I'm not real long-winded, but we're going to do something here at the altar together at the end. I believe blessed are the short-winded. They'll have more opportunity to use their wind. (laughs) Unlock your praise. When is the last time that you just forgot about your mortgage payment? You forgot about your bankruptcy? You forgot about your wayward children running from the Lord. You forgot about your bills. You forgot about you got to work 10 hours overtime this week. You forgot about that you didn't get this done, you didn't get that done, and you're trying to worship the Lord, and all this is going through your mind. When's the last time you forgot all about that and just praised God? It had been years since I did it. Years. But I would magnify the Lord, and I'm already high energy, so when I'm at a little bit, people think, wow, he's really out there, amen. But when I really go out there, come on, they drug test me. <laughs> Pastor, we're going to bring you in for a drug test. You're acting a little crazy. I'm like, the only drug they're going to find is HG. Come on, somebody. Holy Ghost infusion. Come on, son. I've been injected from a power on high. I'm in the world, but not of the world. The Bible said we're a peculiar people. Glory be to God. There's too many frozen chosen in the sanctuary. Too many tombstones on the inside and not enough life on the inside. Come on, somebody. Everybody's been through hell. Everybody's been through a struggle. Everybody's been through a hardship, but everybody let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. I can have a tumor in my kidney, but I got breath in my lung. I could have lost five family members this year, but I got breath in my lung. I could lose my job. I could lose my leg. I could lose my arm, but it doesn't say everybody with two arms and everybody with two legs and everybody with two kidneys. It says everybody that has breath praise ye the Lord. So I got breath in my lung so I can magnify the Lord and I can exalt His name. I got a call last night at 1020. My cousin who is my brother. We're like brothers, not cousins. We're best friends. We work together, go to church together, go fishing together, go ball games together. His dad, there's nothing left they could do and they took the oxygen off and all that and he's going to die sometime here today or tomorrow and he called me last night at 1020 and his wife called me this morning at 7 o'clock they thought they would be sad but there's a little happiness in them come on somebody because pastor we talk about this thing called heaven 
our whole lives and then when somebody goes we get all upset that they got a reward come on somebody and, and, and he's been through a long struggle of accident and paralyzation and all of that but that struggle turned his heart to God come on somebody and a man that would never magnify God who now can't lift his arms and now can't move his legs will now magnify the Lord with his mouth and now in his paralyzation has never missed a church service unless they had him in intensive care or something like that who would never say I love you will now look at you and say I love you and Jesus loves you come on somebody uh, his body doesn't work but his spirit came alive hallelujah so when he makes his transition to glory yes we're going to miss him and yes it'll be sad but my God God said I've gone to prepare a place and if it were not so I would have told you and you're getting a reward so when people get released to heaven I do the funeral and last month a 38 year old friend of mine was killed and I did his funeral and I tried to act the part of a pastor and be sad and be dignified but I preached the happiest funeral service to 200 people half of them weren't born again didn't know anything about the Lord and I couldn't help but be happy hallelujah I couldn't help but shout unto God in the funeral home come on somebody and 17 people gave their heart to Jesus your praise back get your confession back and the last thing is get your faith back well we just can't do it well I don't know if it will ever happen I know God can but I don't know if God will you can guarantee he won't because a double minded man's unstable in all his ways and won't receive anything from God so you just cursed yourself guaranteed the scripture says it Scripture says, if you're double-minded, nothing happens for you. So your faith worked. You had faith in the double-minded spirit, and that faith is working. Nothing happening. Come on, somebody. But I want to have faith in God. Can you say amen? Go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For whatever is born of God, how many are born again? Would you shout Amen. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Grace is a covering for sin. Grace is not a covering for lifestyle. The modern church is preaching grace is a covering of lifestyle. You can live whatever life you want and God's grace covers. No, grace covers sin, not a lifestyle. Whatever is born of God. How many are born of God? Come, If you're born again, shout amen. Come on, if you're born again, shout amen. amen. Whatever, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Faith is a world overcoming spirit. It's one of the gifts of the spirit, the gift of faith. And it says here that whoever's born of God overcomes the world, meaning any obstacle, any valley, any shadow, any shadow of death, uh, death any mountain of adversarial attack, any shit, anything that, that, that comes against us, if we're born of God, we can overcome it. And this is the victory that has allowed us to overcome it, not God's faith. Well, if God wants it to happen, not God's faith, our faith in God. Touch your neighbor and say, unlock my faith. 
Come on, everybody shout, unlock my faith. Galatians chapter 3, go there if you will. Galatians the third chapter, go left in your Bible there to the epistles just on the other side of Ephesians. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 22. But the scripture has confirmed all under sin that the promise of faith in Jesus might be given to the believer. So faith is released to the believer, faith in Jesus. But before faith came, we were kept under guard. We were kept under lock and key by the law. We were kept for this time, the time of faith, which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor, our instructor, that would point us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under the law. We must unlock our faith, which Mark 11 says is have faith in God, meaning if you're at the edge of the Red Sea unlock your faith. If you're going into the fiery furnace, unlock your faith. If they persecute you, unlock your faith. If you're in debt and discouraged and depressed, then unlock your faith and unlock your praise and unlock your confession. If you'll unlock those three things it'll change everything in your world. It'll change how your wife looks at you, how your husband looks at you, how your children look at you, how your friends look at you because you're no longer bound and head bowed and all discouraged and all that, but now you're a praiser now you're speaking life and not death now you're walking by faith and not by sight now these are all things I've known my whole life but see when you're in prison so long you get used to prison come on somebody and they they have studied people that have done long-term time. When they get released, they struggle because everything was organized, planned, and prepared. And they, they had to walk through the day, but they didn't have any authority to create the day. And when the enemy keeps you bound for so long, and you could be sitting here today, and you love God, and you've known God, and you come to church faithfully, but you're bound. You're bound. You go through the week and your head is down. Your words are down. Your confession is down. And after so long of doing that, it becomes routine. You put people on, on, on a hard assignment and hard labor camps, the first few weeks they struggle making little rocks out of big rocks. I've been in some third world prisons. Maybe you've been one in Honduras. And, I don't know how they learn to live in there, but they do. And I've seen them on these labor camps in Cuba. And they build roads with shovels, mile after mile, and picks, and axes, and rebar tied on the end of wood with wires so they can stick in the ground. And the first weeks, it's very hard, but then after years, it becomes routine, and they get used. Before you know it, 10 and 15 years is gone. And it's the same way when the enemy locks us up. We're breathing, we're living, but we got used to how we are. I want to ask you to make some changes today. Throw the enemy for a loop. Throw your wife for a loop. She ain't going to believe you day one. Mm -mm. She shouldn't. You've been acting a fool for 10 years. 
Throw your husband for a loop. He ain't going to believe you changed from negative to positive week one. But you get into week two. You get into week three. You get into week four. You get into week five. Then all, I mean, the dog gets happier. The kids get happier. Come on, somebody. The people you work with get happier. Your church gets happier. Your row, the people you sit with all of a sudden get happier. Why? Because you let something loose on the inside of yourself. You unlocked your praise. You unlocked your confession. You unlocked your faith and then all of a sudden it begins to change everybody around you because Obedidum was blessed but also his entire household was blessed all because he housed the presence of God and then David said I want that blessing in my house I want that blessing for my family and he said so I'm going to get the presence of God and he praised the Lord and magnified the Lord and God inhabited his praise And to this day, in spite of all David's sin, he's only known for his praise pretty much. The book of Acts said they'll rebuild one temple, and it's not Solomon's temple. Interesting theology, who Solomon was and where he came from. If he's in the modern church, he would have been thrown out probably. Because you, you know where Solomon came from, right? Okay. It says in the book of Acts that they're going to rebuild the temple of David. His temple was solely based on praise. Not walls. Not gold. Not silver. Not emeralds. Not diamonds. Not rubies. Solomon's temple was the most beautiful thing ever seen on planet earth. But God said there's one temple we've got to rebuild. And that's the temple of David. The temple of praise. Because God said, I'm not inhabiting buildings any longer. I'm inhabiting praise. For God will inhabit the praises, not the beautiful construction of his people. Would you stand up on your feet? James chapter 1 and verse 6, I'll read this, says, But let them ask in faith. With no wavering, for he who wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the Lord, and should not think he should receive anything from the Lord. Mark 10, 52, Jesus said, Go your way, your faith has made you well. The Roman road of salvation, Romans 10, 8 says, Let us hold fast. Let this word be in you. Let this word be in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Romans 10, 8. And for a long time, I hadn't preached on faith because I didn't feel I could. Hadn't preached on praise because I know I wasn't being a good example of praise. And see, when the enemy begins to get you in those areas, then he limits what your voice can do. If he can stop your voice, he can stop your influence. And if he stops your influence, he... So I decided I'm not going to live any more of my life locked up. I'm going to live my life open. Started with these three words from God. Unlock your praise. Unlock your confession. There's life and death in the power of your tongue. According to your faith, be it unto you. Go your way. Your faith has made you whole. God is able to do abundantly above all we think, ask, and imagine according to the power that works in us. Not because He's powerful.
God is able to do exceedingly abundantly all we think or ask, not because He's powerful, but because we allow His power in us. So how do we get God to us? He inhabits the praises of His people. You understand, it all starts with praise because that's what God inhabits. And when God inhabits something, it'll change what you say, it'll change how you walk, it'll change glory be to God. I want to ask, is the worship team in the sanctuary? They can join you up here. Maybe we can do that song one day in his courts in a moment. The worship team, if you would come. I want to ask everybody that's here. We've been doing something at our church for three months now. We've been meeting at the altar. It's become one of the most empty spaces in the church. One of the most unused square footages in the church. Some churches, the bathrooms are used more than the altars. And I told the church, it's not because the altar is any more holy than your pew, but it's a step, it's a choice. We're stepping out by faith to do something different. It's an activation of God, not my will, but yours be done, so I'm going to surrender my will. I want to ask if all that will, and if you're older or feeble, you, you can't stand, you could come and sit on the front row. I want everybody else that, that will. And if you don't come, it's, it, there's no finger point or anything like that. I'm just following the Holy Spirit. But if you would come join us at the altar, just come up close to the steps and close to the front. And we're just going to sing this song, Better is One Day in Your Courts. And I want you to worship the Lord like you got no bills, like you haven't been through any divorce. Magnify the Lord like you're not battling depression or anxiety. Or Magnify the Lord like you're not getting evicted next week. Magnify the Lord like you didn't lose your job. Magnify the Lord like you didn't lose your family. Magnify the Lord as David did. Great were his sins and many were his afflictions. But it never stopped him from magnifying the presence of the Lord. Never stopped him. You just go ahead as y'all get ready, just begin to sing it. I'll just flow with you. If you need to sit down, you can worship the Lord's setting. Nobody's going to think twice about it if you have to sit down. If you want to kneel, if you want to lay down, if you, you can... You don't have to stand to worship the Lord is what I'm saying. If you need to be seated, you can be seated. Let the river flow. Let the river flow, Lord. Lord, let the church shift from this season of illustration. And I hear the Lord saying to a decade of demonstration. As 2020 begins, say of the Lord, you will see a decade of the demonstration of my power. For many of my churches have become weak. They have all these niceties, but they lack the demonstration of who I am. For they've given illustration of what I was and what I am. But as you cross the threshold of 2020, and I'm giving you time to prepare, saith the Lord, 
You will witness a decade of the demonstration of my power and glory in your presence. Let's go ahead and let's sing this song. My heart and flesh cry out for you, the living God. Your spirit's water to my soul. I've tasted and I've seen. Come once again to me. I will draw near to you. I will draw near to you. anxiety let it all go one moment with God can change everything upon the Lord. Begin to sing a new song to the Lord. Begin to sing in the Spirit. Begin to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual melodies. We'll shout your praise. Our hearts will 
breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough.
know he's a faithful God? How many know he's a faithful God? Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Go ahead and turn my mic back up. I don't got a biggest mouth as Pastor Randall. Praise God. There you go. All right. Amen. I just want to show you how great he is. We sing a lot, but I want to show you how great he is. Sister Sarah called me, was it Thursday? Her and uh, had a, a niece in Ohio that had a brain tumor. She had several weeks of uh, just having headaches and all of these things. They took her to the hospital. Six weeks. All right. Six weeks of these headaches. See, they took her to the hospital. They said she had a brain tumor. They sent her to a specialist. He tells them that uh, this surgery, very, very few people ever come out of. And if they do come out of it, they're discombobulated. Uh, they don't distorted all of those things that goes with that. And uh, so they did the surgery on, was it Friday? And uh, so Sister Sarah calls me about four or five o'clock, seven hours surgery, and they removed that tumor. And uh, she came out of surgery and she knew everybody. She was talking to everyone without any slurred speech. Amen. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. Pastor Randall said, we thank God for doctors. We thank God for all of the things that they have done and all of the ability they have, but God is our healer. Yes. Amen. Praise God. Yes. All right. All right. That's right. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. I know you said you needed a touch from the Lord today. Amen. Praise God. So we're just going to believe with you today. Amen. How many of you know God's are everything? Amen. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you today that your presence is real. I thank you today that you are an ever-present help in the time of our need. And so we ask you today to touch Sister Mary. God, that you would move today and you would minister on her behalf in a strong and a mighty way. God, we, we choose to rejoice today. We choose to believe your word. We choose to believe the promises of God are yes and amen unto your people. And so today in this place, right now, we just speak blessing over her and every circumstance and every situation that your power is revealed in a supernatural way. And we give you praise and thanks for this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God, praise God. Father, I thank you for David today. I thank you, God, that you're moving on his behalf. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I thank you today that you're working on our behalf, even behind the scenes, in ways that we can't even God. How about you, birthday boy? Amen. Praise God. Raise your hands today. Father, I speak blessings over Jacob today. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. This is the best year that he's ever had. Now you have an assignment for his life. The enemy tried to detour and distract and even defeat him, but God, he's been raised up for such a time as this. And so God, I speak blessing over his life now that God, the assignment that you have for him will begin to be released in this season of his life. God, that he will see the manifestation and the presence of God, the supernatural will flow through him. And God, even the things the enemy thought they had stolen from him, they will be returned and they will manifest in him and through him in a supernatural way. God, I thank you that this season is a season of great joy and supernatural power. God, that only you imagined and dreamed of, but you will see the hand of the Lord at work. We thank you for this today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. We thank you, Lord. God, I just love you today, and I thank you for your presence here. I thank you for your word. God, always challenge us. Always push on us. Always never leave us to ourselves. Never leave us to our own thoughts or our imagination. But God, I pray, Holy Spirit, you push on us. God, develop in us everything that you desired for us to be. We love you and we praise you for this today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Randall, for the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you for coming today, being with us. Amen. One thing I failed to announce, I had it and all of that and still forgot it. That's the reason I need somebody else to do announcements. But next Sunday, we'll be honoring those who will be uh, celebrating graduation. And so if you have anyone in the family that... Um, please see uh, Pastor Renee after service so that we can make sure that we get everybody because uh, we've been known to miss some folks in the past and that's not cool, okay? And so uh, if we, we may know about them, but just please make sure that we do so that we can celebrate with them on next Sunday, okay? All right. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for your sweet Holy Spirit that's here right now. God, you're doing more than the eye can see. There's supernatural things that are taking place in this altar today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your servant. And God, I just ask you to just pour back into him and bless him and bless the ministry there and, and around the world as he, as he goes. And we ask you today that you would bless us as we leave this place today. I pray, God, that you would give us opportunity to share our faith, to share the witness, and to tell somebody about your goodness in our lives. And we give you praise and thanks for this today. In the matchless name of Jesus, amen, amen. God bless you. Shake hands with somebody before you leave today.